the most difficult part of the Christian life is being an authentic witness for Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you this day, if you are an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you'll be praying for the lost. If you are an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you'll be praising. If you're an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you'll be going to church. If you're an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you'll be living a godly life. Get your authentic witnessing lifestyle in gear, and all of your Christian life will get in sync. In the courts of law, an authentic witness, standing there on the stand, will make a difference between convicting or acquitting a person. In the courts of law, if you had more than one authentic witness... Definitely, they will decide the fate of an individual. Now, I want you to think of this in terms of the spiritual. I want you to think of this and lifting your spirits up to the courts of heaven. I want to make it so vivid and somewhat exaggerated to the point that you can understand it, you can see it, and you can feel it. Because everything around us is depriving us from having spiritual eyes and living in the realm of the Spirit. I want you to think about the courts of heaven. Because, my beloved friends, in the courts of heaven, an authentic Christian witness can make a difference in a person's eternal life, whether he or she will be in heaven or hell for eternity. Do you see the enormity of the task? Now, there's more. Being an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you are doing the one thing that is nearest and dearest to the heart of Jesus. The one ministry that is dearest and nearest to the heart of Jesus is a ministry of witnessing And bringing the lost to Christ. Listen, I understand. We can fellowship all we want. We can educate. We can teach. We can entertain. We can sing. We can dance. We can feed and close. We can go on retreats. We can go on conferences. And we can go into in-depth Bible studies. And I'm all for that. I'm all for it. And I'm not minimizing it one bit. But I want to tell you this day that if you do all of this and you are not involved in witnessing for Jesus Christ and making disciples for Jesus Christ, you are not doing the thing, the one thing that is dearest and nearest to the heart of Jesus. It is so dear and near to the heart of Jesus. We often talk about the last words of an individual. I will never forget to the day I die. The last words of my own mother before she went to be with the Lord, she kept saying, I can hear them singing, I can hear them singing. And then within seconds, she was out there joining with them in the song. The last words of Jesus before ascending to heaven, in every one of the four Gospels and in the beginning of the book of Acts, what were they? The very last words, be my witness, I send you, be my, go make disciples. Jesus is telling us that this is the nearest and dearest ministry to my heart. The question is this. If witnessing 
is the dearest and the nearest to the heart of Jesus, why is it very difficult? Let me tell you something. I know it's difficult for me. And I know it's difficult for all of us. Why is it then it's most difficult? Well, I'm glad you want to know because I really want to tell you. (laughs) Because it's precisely the one thing you do, the one thing you do that Satan hates the most. It's the one thing that he hates the most. He hates you praying. He hates you singing. He hates you. Oh, he hates, but he hates more than anything else. You are giving a witness to the power of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and eternal life been given by Jesus Christ. He hates it. He hates it with passion. There's a good rule of thumb. Anything that Jesus loves, Satan hates. You can bank on it. Anything in the scripture you see Jesus loves, Satan hates. It is the one ministry that Satan will pull all the stops to keep you from doing. It is the one thing that Satan will do everything possible to discourage you from doing. It is the one ministry that Satan will work his hardest to hinder you from doing. And I want to submit to you today, and that's a strong word, but listen to it with the spirit that it is given, that if you have given up on the lifestyle of witnessing, the lifestyle, because witnessing is a lifestyle, it is not going out pulling people by their lapel and say, repent. No, that's not our faith, because Jesus does the converting. We do the witnessing. If you have given up On the witnessing lifestyle, I want to submit to you this day that you are delighting Satan. Strong words, but you know that I'm telling you the truth from the Scripture. Now, some of you probably saying, man, he's putting me on a guilt trip. Now, if you think that I'm putting you on a guilt trip, you are absolutely right. (laughs) It's exactly what I'm doing. But it is my prayer and the prayer of my heart that guilt will not remain guilt because it will turn out to be a false guilt. But guilt will lead you to repentance and repentance will lead you to action. That is the cry and the prayer of my heart. Authentic witnessing for Jesus Christ is what the world is longing for. Authentic witnesses for our salvation is what the world is looking for. It is what's going to bring conviction to sinners to repent. Authentic witnessing for the forgiveness of God in our lives is what will bring revival to this land. People talk about revival. Talk about revival all you want until you are and living a life of an authentic witness for Jesus Christ. Revival will not come. What do I mean by an authentic witness? Well, as you know, I love to answer my own questions with illustrations, so that makes it easier for you to understand. And I love stories, and I don't like to do too many of those, but it will make a point. True story. A machinist who worked in the Ford Motor Plant in Detroit, Michigan, became a Christian, totally, thoroughly converted to Christ, And he was baptized in the name of Jesus. This man knew 
that he could not become an authentic witness for Jesus Christ until he has righted the wrong in his life. Let me tell you something. You can claim all you want until you have righted the wrong that you have done in your life. You are not a true, authentic witness for Jesus Christ. And this man wanted to do that. For years, he has been stealing equipment, parts, and he will slip them out in his lunch bag and he will take them home. For years, he's been stealing tools out of Ford Motor Plant. So what did he do when, when God converted him thoroughly? He put all the stuff that he stolen in a truck. And he drove it into the, his company and went to his foreman, went to his boss. He said, sir, I am returning all the things that I've stolen for years. Not only that, I want to bring them all back. I want you to forgive me because I have become a Christian. And now I cannot witness for my Lord unless and until I have repented and have done the right thing. But the foreman didn't know what to do. He went to his boss, who went to his boss, who went to his boss. And finally, they looked around for Mr. Ford. Mr. Ford was overseas looking at a new European plant. True story. So they decided to send Mr. Ford a cable, a telegram, a long one, telling him all the details of what this man has done and what he's doing now. And they said, now, Mr. Ford, what do we do with him? Well... The cable came back immediately from Europe with a decision. Let me read it to you. Read the cable to you. Dam up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city. <laughs> now do you understand by authentic witness? It was Sir Henry Stanley who went to spend a little time with David Livingston. And he wrote the following after his brief meeting. He said, if I had been with him any longer, I would have been compelled to be a Christian. Yet he never spoke to me about it. End of quote. Authentic witnessing must begin with authentic repentance. It must begin with an authentic change in life. And that, my beloved friends, is what the world is longing to see. Sadly today, there are so many preachers and evangelists and and organizations who are running around and saying, all you need to do to be a Christian, just add Jesus to the list of your friends. What a pathetic expression of the Christian faith. So today we look around and what do we see? We see an adulterer does not forsake his adultery. He just becomes a a Christian adulterer. We see a homosexual does not forsake his homosexuality. He just becomes a Christian homosexual. We just see an abortionist who would not forsake the bloodshedding. He just becomes a Christian abortionist. We see dishonest businessman who does not forsake his dishonesty. He just becomes a dishonest Christian. We see a drunk who does not forsake his drunkenness. He just becomes a drunk Christian. Let me tell you something. And God is my witness in what I'm telling you. Probably this more than anything, as I look across the land and I see what's going on in the land, I literally weep tears before God. Because that's how the world is perceiving Christians. And no wonder they call us hypocrites. 
It is no wonder that we are not making a dent in society. When you look at the life of Jonah, you will understand the power of witnessing. In fact, most people, when they get to chapter 2, and they focus on the miracle of Jonah's survival in the belly of that great fish, and that's where they stop. They don't go on to chapter 3 to find a far, far, far greater miracle than Jonah's survival. If the miracle of Jonah's survival in the belly of the great fish is a great miracle, I want to tell you this day that the miracle of the conversion of the Ninevites is far greater miracle. For the Ninevites to be converted is like Hitler and Mussolini become evangelists. Understand that. These were vicious people. Archaeology tells us that the Ninevites were the most vicious people on the face of the earth. Archaeology records that the king of Nineveh methodically cuts the noses of the people of the lands that he conquers. And then he skins them alive. And the rest of horror stuff that they used to do, I'm not going to get into it. For the Ninevites to be converted was a miracle of all miracles. Don't miss it. And that is why Jesus said that there is unspeakable joy in heaven when one sinner repents. You know, because we have grown to be sentimentalist and and a little gentler than the say the barbarians of the Vikings acts of the past or all of our ancestors' uh, horrible stuff. We've grown to be a little more sophisticated now. Let me tell you something. As far as God in heaven is concerned, He looks down and He sees the same wickedness in our heart. We're just more polite about it. And that is why, beloved friends, God wants His children to be witnesses for Him. If you haven't already turned to Jonah chapter 3, please turn to it. And follow with me as we continue in this incredible little book. And yet, it has blessed my own life in so many ways. Jonah chapter 3. I want you to look for three things in this particular chapter. Number one, that God always pursues His witness. He always pursues His witness. The second thing I want you to see is that God always empowers His witness. And thirdly, God always uses and blesses His faithful witness. What do I mean by God pursues His faithful witness? Well, I want you to look at the first two verses of chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Underline that in your Bibles, will you? Just underline it. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to give to you. The second time. Let me ask you this. Does God always give us a second chance? You can bet on it. God always gives us a second chance. It is His nature to give us a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a fifth chance. It is His character to give us another chance. 
That's who God is. He calls Abraham, Abraham, get out of the earth of Chaldeas. Get out to the land that I am calling you to. Abraham gets detoured. He sees a little temple worshiping the moon. And he said, man, this is just like home. I'm going to stay here. What does God do? He calls him again. God calls Moses and Moses, I want you to liberate my people. Moses takes things into his own hand and he tried to do things his way and he makes a botch of things. What does God do? Forty years later, he calls him again. The Lord Jesus Christ warns his disciple, chief disciple Peter. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times? Peter said, never. And Peter denies him three times and he makes a mess of his life. And what happens after the resurrection? The Lord Jesus Christ calls him again. That's our God. He will call us again and again and again. Every time we blow it and make a mess of things. And we come back to him in repentance and in faith and in genuine turning away. What does he do? He does not only forgive us, but he renews our call to be his witnesses yet again. Why does God forgive you? Why does God forgive me again and again and again? Why does he do that? I want to tell you why. Because every time... You blow it like Jonah did. Every time you try to get away from him, whether physically or mentally or emotionally, every time you try to get out of his will, every time you go your own way, every time you want to be in control and you blow it, every time you ignore his call upon your life, every time you block your ears to hearing his voice, And then you repent. God is teaching you. He is teaching me through His forgiveness of us. That in our stubbornness. That in our rebellion. He holds out forgiveness. Not only to us. But to your neighbors. To your co-workers. To your boss. To your children. To your parents. To your brothers and sisters. To your clients. To everybody in the world. That's why He forgives us. He does not forgive you because of your baby blues or... Or baby browns, or whatever they may be. No. He forgives us so that we may understand that He is holding forgiveness for others. Jonah's own experience in and out of the belly of the fish, Jonah's own experience taught him something is so important. It taught him something about the forgiving nature of God. It taught him something about the forgiving character of God that he could never forget. Jonah's own experience is a very loud shout saying, Look at me! Forgiveness and restoration are possible even to those who stubbornly turn away from God. Even to those who disobey Him. Forgiveness and restoration is possible even to those who take things in their own hands and make a mess of things. Forgiveness and restoration are possible even to those who turn a deaf ear to the voice of God and a blind eye to the will of God. Forgiveness is possible. Oh, my beloved friends, God, yes, pursues His witness. He really does. But He also empowers His witness. If you look at the message 
Jonah's message here, verses 4 of chapter 3. Actually, there's only one verse. Is Am I going to be struck by its brevity? Some of you are probably saying, I wish you can preach that shorter sermon. <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> Not going to work. Look at verse 4, chapter 3. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Very brief, and right to the point. But what's the difference? Well, there's forty days, forty weeks, forty months, or forty years. A person who is without Jesus Christ is going to hell, whether it doesn't matter how long he's going to live or she's going to live. It's the same testimony that is yours and mine. Yet a period of time, and you will be in hell suffering for eternity. Turn to the living God. Just as He forgave my sins, just as He forgave my rebellion, just as He forgave my stubbornness, He can forgive you too. I know some people think that what you need is a 10-year course in apologetics before they can witness. Forget it. Some people think, man, what you need is to be eloquent, inarticulate. Some people think you've got to read two dozen books before you begin to witness. Let me tell you something. Survey after survey was done by a Christian organization. They showed that the most effective witnesses are those who are brand new Christians because they don't know any better. God bless him. Do you know that the longer you walk with God, you become less effective in your witnessing? It is sad, but it's the truth. The Fuller Evangelistic Association out in California has done survey after survey, found the most effective people for Christ in their witness are the new Christians. Not only that they still have unbelieving friends, unsaved friends, but they are so excited about their salvation. They can't hold it in. We become so sophisticated. We read books. We go to seminars, and we, we go to retreats, and we do this, and we do that, and do the other thing. Where's our witness? You don't need any of that stuff to witness for Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, you need some training if you're going to teach, but that's not about witnessing. And I'm not against any of these things. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against any of these things. But to be a witness for Jesus Christ, all you need to do to have is an authentic, real, born-again experience. To be an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, all you need to have is a genuine, repentant experience. To be an authentic witness for Jesus Christ, you need, all you need to know is that you have been forgiven your sins past, your sins present, your sins future, have been forgiven at the cross of Calvary when Christ died a substitutionary death for you on the cross. That's all you need. Simply put, our witness is this. I was a sinner heading for hell, but Jesus forgave my sins, and now he's taking me to heaven. That's it. Can't get simpler than that. In fact, in the gospel according to John, one of the great witnesses is the witnessing of the blind man when the Pharisees were harassing him. He said, look, I don't understand all this. You can argue theology. You can argue all the other stuff. All I'm telling you is that I was blind, but now I see. Power of witnessing. I want you to hear me right on this one because I don't want you to misunderstand me. This is very important. 
When the emphasis in witnessing and evangelism, when the emphasis is on the techniques, when the emphasis is on marketing, when the emphasis is on drama, when the emphasis is on methodology, when the emphasis is on programs, when the emphasis is on formula and the rest of it, I want to tell you something. When the person is converted, who gets the glory? The methodology. The program. When you stay on your knees... And when you simply give a simple witness of the account for the hope that is lying within you, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Here Jonah has a message. Very simple. Forty days, Ninevites, forty days, and you'll be history. (laughs) How simple and how profound, unless you repent. When God equips His witnesses, and He has equipped every one of us, is He forgiven you? He has equipped you. When God equips His witness, God is all that you need. Period. Now, of course, I know temptation for me would be if the Lord would send me to such vicious people, even if I can, by sheer power of the Holy Spirit, even if I can overcome the fear and the terror of going to these people, I would be using all kinds of excuses. I said, Lord, you know, I just need some time to learn the Assyrian culture. Lord, I just need some time. I need to go to school and learn their history. Oh, Lord, just give me some time and give me a little more of an intellectual message because these people are not going to be easily convinced. Lord, just give me more of a relevant message because this is just too simple. Lord, give me more of an articulate message because that's just what makes sense. Lord, these people are going to think that I'm a kook. They're not going to take me seriously, Lord. But when God has equipped you to witness, and He has, it's all you need. Well, look at the result of Jonah's simple message in verses 5 and 6. Incredible results. Not only did people immediately respond, but even the pagan, notorious, wicked king, he humbled himself before the Lord. Look, look at his, his words. I mean, I want you to imagine. You, you, you cannot understand the wickedness of this guy. I mean, he is not just wicked and violent and unrighteous and atheist and proud and luxuriant Ninevite. And imagine him sitting on a pile of ashes with sackcloth, which is a mark of humility and brokenness before God at the time. In fact, archaeology tells us that Nineveh was a huge city by that time standard. It was a very powerful city. It was a very wealthy city. It was a very materialistic city. It had walls that were a hundred feet high. The walls were so thick, so wide, that three chariots can travel side by side on top of that wall. They were powerful people. We're not talking some small villagers somewhere. These were powerful people. But when God equips you, and He has, when God sends you, and He has, that's all you need. It doesn't matter who you're witnessing to. Rich or poor. Powerful or weak. It doesn't make any difference. God not only pursues His witness God not only equips His witness, 
But God blesses. He blesses. And uses his witness. God always blesses the faithful proclamation. It may take time, but he always will. Why? Because he promised so. That he will bless the labor of your hand and the fruit of your proclamation. And I want to tell you, listen to me please. We talk about revival. We pray for a revival. And I pray for a revival. I don't see a revival in this country as far as I'm concerned. I can see. We have a lot of emotionalism going in different places. I'm not seeing real revival where people truly, lives have changed. In the kind of revival that I long to see, that you long to see. But I want to tell you today that for a revival to take place, true preaching of the word must always proceed. Read it in history books. Whether the Welsh revival, any revival in, this, in the Northeastern revival, always preceded by the true proclamation of the Word of God. And listen to me, today with our watered down messages, messages that are pasteurized and homogenized and synthesized, that have been preached from many a pulpit today, <laughs> is making people not only nauseous, but numb. The pseudo-psychology and pop psychology that is preached from many a pulpit today is numbing people toward the truth. Half-truths that are coming from many a pulpit today are inoculating people against the urgency of the true gospel message. Some English evangelist said, what we have behind the pulpits today, not prophets, but puppets. What an indictment. Beloved friend, let me tell you, no matter how simple the message is, as long as it's the truth of the Word of God, God will bless it. You have God's own Word on it. Look at the incredible blessing that came upon the Ninevites as a result of hearing the true Word of God. As soon as they heard, they responded, not just believing. Anybody can believe. I believe that that, that Africa is over there. I believe there's a a continent called Asia. Has nothing to do with that. Not only believe, not only believing, but they acted upon their belief. They did something. There is no, listen to this one, there is no true belief without corresponding action. I can claim all I want. I can claim to be a Christian. I can claim to be a spirit-filled Christian. I can claim to be a spirit, spirit, spirit-filled Christian. I can claim all the other claims. But if my life and my action does not match, forget it. It ain't going to make any dent in people's lives. This machinist from Detroit, when Christ came into his life, when Christ changed his life, he took action. He risked being fired. He risked being mocked. He risked being jeered. He risked everything. Why? Because faith that does not lead to turning away from specific sin is not the faith of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. See what the Ninevite king said. He said that, each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence in his hands. If the sin of self-indulgence is your sin, 
if the sin of pride is your sin, if the sin of stealing God's money is your sin, if the sin of selfishness is your sin, if the sin of lacking in love toward others is your sin, if sin of materialism and greed is your sin, if the sin of laziness is your sin, whatever it may be, give it up. Repent of it. And watch how God can use your witness. How God going to bless your witness and those around you. Shall we pray? Lord God, I repent. I turn away from that which is wrong in my life. And I write it now in Jesus' name. God, I cry that you would be pleased to use me as an authentic witness. Lord, you have forgiven me my sins. Lord, you have washed me from the filth of sin and the consequences of sin. Lord, you have fixed my face toward heaven and not hell. May I today be the witness that you would have me be. Thank you that you have pursued me. Thank you that you have equipped me. Thank you that you have and will bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.